This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? How are you doing? Oh my goodness. The Odyssey. is back. Shocking. Listen, I literally fumbled the bag. Yeah. Well, no, no. My airline fumbled the bag. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got your gear back, man. Me too. Thank you. It's good to be back. Carl and Seb stood in. They were great. Thanks, thanks guys, for stepping in. Absolutely. Legends. Thanks thank you guys very much, on. guys. It nearly went like redux length that podcast because I was just like Moose is not here my time <laughs> good I was good, like good. you know they walk into the office and they fed the gremlins after midnight and it's just like <laughs> it was just like my show I was, I was going to do <laughs> there was part of me that was semi tempted just to do it all on the Hamburg Derby and just put it out and just kind of pretend that, that was the only thing that happened that weekend should have done but, it um, probably would have been fired but it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, thanks to thanks to Carl and Seb for stepping in. That was uh, was good fun. Um, but Moose is back. Yes, absolutely. And he's got all his gear on my travels. So before we start, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. A couple of visits of admin. Really nice Writers House episode went up on Tuesday. Flo and Ian interviewed Jonas Idevel, head of the Arsenal Chelsea game at Emirates Stadium this weekend in the WSL, and then. Uh, your good self and Ian and Arsenal goalkeeping legend David Seaman from the Righty's House live thing on Friday in London for mm. Ian's Ian's collection launch. I enjoyed that so much. That was, was good, such man. a lovely day. Yeah, was some really good great. chat. Really interesting. Uh, so that's up now. And uh, yeah, I thought Jonas was really good as well. Really interesting chat with Jonas. Um, go check out the press as well. Final shout out before the Stadio newsletter goes out this week. Stadio.football. Scroll to the bottom. Pop your email address in, sign up for our newsletters. Yeah, fortnightly it'll go out probably. So go check that. If you want to see highlights of the Hamburg Derby from last week, from in the stadium, Stadio Football on Instagram, go follow us on there. And uh, if you do like what we do, please give us a rating review. It'd be very kind. And I reckon that's all the admin. Mm. 
And uh, today, I'm just going to talk about the German Cup, right? That's it. Nothing else. Always without fa- without fail. <laughs> there he is. There he is. Did you ever go away? We could do forty five minutes on Zabrücken. Oh my goodness! You would. You would as well. I fucking would. Listen, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in a joyless podcast. Can someone? <laughs> can someone come and get me? Please help. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're going to talk about the Premier League. Uh, we're also going to talk about Christine Sinclair, who bowed out of international football, and um, maybe some German Cup stuff. Yes. All right. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. Musa uh, Gwanga. Yes. I know you're going to do. I know. Here it is. Where would you like to begin? We, look, we have to start. Look, we have to start by saying Aston Villa, we can see you. Aston Villa won. Manchester City, nil. We just have to talk about that. Villa were ferocious. They were absolutely amazing. They were absolutely amazing. Look, I, can I, I was watching this game, so I had, you know, in my lab, in my football lair, I was watching <laughs> the two games. I was watching Man United, Chelsea, and Aston Villa, Manchester City. Wow. And Technology. I could not, but technolo- oh my goodness. Levels. Oh, God. Dual screening. Listen, listen, <laughs> containing multitudes. Aston Villa were astonishing. And mm. specifically, John McGinn, from the opening minute, was out of this world. This is one of the best midfield performances I have ever seen against a Pep Guardiola team. I know that's such a big shout, but I was thinking back and thinking, I have never seen Bernardo Silva so regularly out-thought and out-battled at close quarters. I think McGinn had the most dribbles, the most tackles, one of the most duels, created the most chances. This was a complete performance and an absolute masterclass to the point where I was radicalized because one of the stats websites was ranking Douglas Louise a slightly higher performance. And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I respect the stats. I respect the XG, but that actually He is, was great though. He was brilliant. Don't get me, he was brilliant. But John McGinn produced, it was a McMasterpiece. It was absolutely out of this world. And to Emery's credit, you talk about ferocious, right? The press was spectacular oh it was, a, it was so brave good. they were like they were hunting into these corridors there was one bit Bernardo Silva gets the ball and it was like watching a gang of raccoons descend it's like, it's like a squirrel like finally it gets its first nut of the winter it just grabs its first like clutch of nuts of the winter, and a gang of raccoons just descended upon him near the halfway line like yeah. swarming passing angles lanes John Stones came back and John Stones did some brilliant stuff at close quarters but just it was like every space that, that City played into, Villa had like two players waiting. Yeah, John Stones didn't want that to be his first game back. No, no, If you take a highlight cut of Villa's press, yeah. when City have the ball in like either at, at the back or in midfield, and you overdub that bit from the, the remake of The Wicker Man, where he's just going, <laughs> no, not the bees, not the bees. <laughs> it it syncs up perfectly. I know they're not nicknamed yes. the bees, but um, yeah, it's perfect. There's just it was that it was that kind of just like nah nah get the bath ah ah they're everywhere and that's how it good Villa were. And if you look at the tins, uh, yeah two like oh. the kind of expected threat or like the field tilt or anything like that, it plays out like it 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 plays out like a city home game, but in Villa's yes. favour. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and yeah. you just think like no like usually. Usually teams don't do that to City in that way. I mean, you look at the amount of attempts that they had, was it like 20-odd to two? Yeah, yeah. Like City just did not pose a threat really 
in the same way that they even in games that they 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 don't win but they usually kind of knock on the door a bit it just never felt like i mean if anything i think the scoreline probably flattered city a little bit this could have been two it could have possibly been three actually yeah i think you know, the three would have been a slight yeah yeah that would have been, been catfishy yeah. but douglas Louise yeah. hit the post right yeah gorgeous in the second effort. half as well and john mcginn had a chance that was that he probably should have done better on as well in the first half. Yeah, that attempt that was tip wide should have been a corner from Edison. Yeah, and then there was that one where Douglas Luiz kind of uh, cut, like the ball deflected up in the air and then he was he kind of like had quite a close range effort but Edison got across and made a really good save from from like point blank range. Oh, and Pau Torres, the top corner one, the slightly play, better player. Oh, yeah, in the corner. yeah. Yeah, yeah, first half. Um, so, yeah, just... Villa all round like super impressive and I, <laughs> I was saying in the Writers House group that because obviously their next game is Arsenal mm. at home yeah. and I was like I really hope this is Villa's like you know performance for the week It was very Bielsa this performance actually very Bielsa which is actually you know I'm not saying that Arsenal fans have any kind of there's no love lost over that not working out but it's just I would like to just sort of put a pin in this and say this was the Emery ball that the Emirates in a different lifetime at a power universe might have seen. But this is, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I just, no, it's not about grudges. It's not, I'm not saying it for that. I'm not, I'm not saying, saying it's a grudge thing. I just, I'm I just, saying it in terms yeah. of, I'm saying in terms of the, the positive, this is as exciting and as front foot an Emery team as I've seen. Yeah. It was generally, it was generally like, it wasn't reactive football. This is the thing that was so thrilling about it and why I was so excited. I actually went, sounds quite, sounds quite sad to say this, but I, there aren't, I don't think I've had that much fun watching football outside like Champions League knockout. Mm. It felt genuinely, it felt genuinely, it felt like, look, City weren't, City weren't really at it, but they were forced out of their rhythm because you saw the moment they lost a bit of intensity, Villa, the one patch they had was the double save from Martinez, by mm. Martinez from, from Holland. That was a really good save. That was it. That, they were the only two shots that City had, I think. Those the only two. And that little phase there when Foden, Beautiful inroads, closing up very well on the flank. Bernardo Silva recycling the ball really, really well, really efficiently. And that, that one moment when Villa lost intensity, mm. which I think is good news for Arsenal, because I don't think, I, look, I think Villa were incredible the other day, but I just don't think you can produce two performances that intensity mm. back to back. I just don't think it's... Well, I mean, you don't know. I'd love to be, love, love to be wrong. love to be wrong. I mean, I, I hope you're not wrong. But they flew. They... they I mean, it was just, I think it was Beryl. There's a thing that, that, that Guardiola teams do, that teams do that beat Guardiola teams, and it's you have to raise the stakes on them. Mm. You have to basically take their approach and go to take it to a higher level, dial it up. We saw, we've seen so many teams do that in recent years. We've seen, um, well, not so many, we've seen a few do it. We saw Bielsa's Leeds do it um, in the one or draw at Ellen Road. We saw Poch do it when he first got to the Premier League you basically have to do whatever Pep is doing and just raise it. And it's very, very gutsy because it can get you beaten 4-0, as Bournemouth mm. will tell you. But this was it. This was, I got quite excited in the chat and I was like, this is the blueprint. But yeah, it is the blueprint, but it's always been the blueprint. And everyone's always known that if you do this to City, then you can get joy against them. The only question is, who can? And, you know, even though Stones was not the ideal performance to return with, Stone still did a couple of things where you're like, yeah, when it starts clicking again, City are going to be moving. Yeah, City just need to learn how to re, like how to control games again because they've just lost that's, that that's ability it. over yeah, the last few it. games. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
And Roger Stones shuts that shuts a lot that down. Yeah, I mean City have always shown, even over over the last few years, that they will they will get stung once or twice a season. And she's you know, sometimes it's at home, like Brentford did it, Palace have done it, you know, they 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 get stung. Mm. I think that the difference with this is that like with those games, it, you know, it's usually like eighty two percent possession for City and thirty eight mm. shots on goal and they get done two one or something. Um this time it was it was properly comprehensive and I think that off the back of that run of three was it three straight draws mm. three draws in the league um, in games that they've not been vastly outplayed but they've they've not been able to control to the level that they want to control games I think to be done like this is a little bit I wouldn't say worrying because it kind of feels like City need this you know, darkest before the dawn thing every year to almost motivate them around yes, Christmas. Yes, yes, and that's right, yeah. And um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they just went on a tear now. Mm, because, it's, yeah. it, you know, they it's it's four games in a row that they've not won in the Premier League. And for a Manchester City side, that is just, it's just not good enough. But it's Villa, the first time but, Pep's ever been four games that win in the league, I think. That's, wow, uh, well, there you go. He's like someone's, someone's <laughs> due a hiding. Someone is due an abs. That's the thing well, we know. Is, Someone yeah. is due a cooking. I mean, they go away to Luton on the weekend. So who knows? Although Luton, shout out to Luton because they, they listen. Luton well, hang on. Before been, we move on to Luton, let's shout out Villa one final time because they're up to third in the Premier League. They're two points no clear fair. of City. They're no two fair. points behind Liverpool and they're four points behind Arsenal. So they're not just pushing for top four. They're, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to step into a title race unnoticed. You mean know, just like, uh, oh, I didn't uh, see you there. Villa, you're here. Oh, 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 oh yeah, I've been uh, here a while, okay. actually, guys. Just, I've been yeah. here a while, actually. Just uh, don't mind me. But anyway, yep, Arsenal at home on the weekend. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that game at all. Mm. I, can't, I can't wait. Yeah, well, you enjoy it. Um, I'm going to be hiding behind the sofa. Let's segue on to Luton Arsenal very quickly because it happened on uh, Tuesday night. 4-3 mm. to Arsenal. Last minute winner from Declan Rice. What uh, a game. Yeah, great game. A really weird game in the sense that just like it doesn't feel like I don't think Luton score this many goals at home. Arsenal don't score that many goals away, and Arsenal don't also concede that many goals in mm. games. So it was just a very. I saw a few people kind of trying to overanalyze it in the sense of like, uh, oh, this is why Arsenal won't win the league kind of thing. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just it just happens. Like it's December. It's freezing. You're playing at Kenilworth Road. Kenilworth Road, some, exactly. Sometimes some shit's just going to happen. It's like raucous. just. Don't it sometimes, man? Ain't that deep? Football mm. people take football way too seriously sometimes, and uh, this I think was one of those nights where people were a bit like, But what does it mean? And it's just like sometimes goals just go in, sometimes you concede three goals off minimal XG, it just happens, man. And not being funny, but is not the definition is, is not the definition of championship metal getting it done at Kenilworth exactly. Road on a cold yeah. midweek night, like. Yeah. That that was a definite. That was a defining performance in the sense that the resilience they showed to get the result there, despite never truly having control. Never. There were truly- no, I think I think they can. I think Arsenal controlled the game overall. I just think that. Um, I mean, mm. well, I think they would. I, no, I don't know, man. I think they were on another night. This game's four-one, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, but this on Luton this were good. Night, don't get me wrong. Luton will get good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just no. I'm not saying. I'm saying based on that exact. The exact patterns of play, right? If you think about it, two two massive rire errors, I think, for goals, mm. and a really good set piece goal. I think Luton were very good, but 
it wasn't like chance upon chance was raining down on Arsenal's goal. I think this game could have played out exactly the same way. And on another night, it could have been 3-1, 4-1. And I don't think many people are talking about it. It felt, it felt more like a failure to sort of grasp. As I watched them try to grasp like a greasy bar of soap. It felt like, you know, but that, for example, the goal, the Arsenal's opener, and just not really having that, that period of five minutes of just settling down. Does that make sense? They, they didn't really come, they didn't really... They didn't take all the drama out of it, I think, was the thing for me when they took the lead. And I was like, okay, mm. they're now going to like, you know, get a second goal, halftime, shut up shop. And they never quite did that. And Luton have been doing this all year, to be fair. They did it against Liverpool. They've done it in games they've lost. In terms of the games I've watched Luton in, I would say this. They're probably the team whose results least reflect the quality of the performances they've been producing. Yeah. Which is why I think actually it's positive for them in terms of the season. Alex. I'd say them and Wolves, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's positive for them in terms of that, but what impressed me so much about Arsenal, I mean, look, we're going to talk about Havertz many more times this season. I just love that he's got into his groove. Mm. That run that he made for his goal, you know, it, yes, it's quite a simple finish in the end, but it's just, it's the way that he's gambling on himself, actually. I think he's just learned the movements he's in his groove. of the team. Just, he's in his he's groove, learned, isn't he's he? Learned the te- he's learned the team. The team have learned him. Gabriel Jesus being there, I think, is key because yeah. I think he's a really, really good striker for him. And, um, Listen, man, like we, we both know that all of that talk about Harvards was just just nonsense, to be honest. Like four different scorers. Four different scorers. Yeah, but we knew we knew how good he was. And we knew that yeah. like actually it was going to take time. And we know we knew that he'd been kind of moved around at Chelsea. And he's gonna have dips in form. This is what I think. It's just like footballers have dips in form. Mm. I just think he's a really good footballer. I listened to actually there's a really good Jorginho interview on the Athletic yes. Uh, yes. on the Athletic Football Podcast. And um First of all, I just want to get Jorginho on here because he just sounds like a right laugh. Just he just sounds genuinely funny. Like, but no, he was talking about how how good Kai Havertz is, mm. and um, he said this line, which I always love it when players say stuff like this. Basically, like, if you love football, it's impossible not to love Kai. And I was just like, that's so good. It's that's so like good. a proper like, pew pew. That's like people <laughs> go like. He who is tired of London is tired of life. It's that kind of energy, isn't it? You're like, it's definitive. Then it makes you ashamed. It's basically the footballing those who know no thing, which is so funny because it triggers an insecurity in people who don't know to the point where they're just like- I'm a Kai Havertz fan and even I felt ashamed of myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what do I- But what I was saying, also, can I just say this um, before we um, move on too quickly? Just to Declan Rice, not just for his late winner, but the consequential nature of that, choosing- and I've said this a thousand times already, but I've got to say it one, once more. Choosing Arsenal over Man City is such a vote of self-confidence, right? It's such a vote of belief in your own abilities because th- the procession was there. The place was laid. Gundogan's out. You're coming into a space where you, you'll basically have the keys to that midfield for years. And that is not guaranteed titles, but virtually like, you know, Declan Rice in that midfield, you're looking at like, three out of the next five titles straight. And he said no to all of that. He said no to all of the, the money because he wanted to gamble on something different. And I think it's one of the gutsiest things I've seen. And people don't talk much about guts in football in terms of transfers, but I respect that move so much at the time and even more now because his connection with that Arsenal midfield, you look now at like Rice, Odegaard and Havertz. And I love the blend. Big dudes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odegaard is the smallest out of a lot of those and he's not, he's not tiny. Big dudes who are showing out, who are actually now showing the bulk and you're noticing now that they're playing in sync more and 
we've said this about, we said one last thing on Harvard's, there was the point of him is that he takes the team to a level it hasn't yet reached. That if you unlock his skills and the fluidity is there, we've seen it in practice, but we're seeing more and more now, you're seeing a higher level of like Arsenal play. And some have remarked that Arsenal are less thrilling this year, but I've, in funny ways, I've enjoyed watching them more mm. because I've enjoyed watching the variety of ways they can break you down. I am much preferring watching Arsenal control games. Mm. Like, yeah. I'm fine with that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you, I think problem solving against teams who week after week are making it really difficult for you is more impressive to me than what Arsenal did last season. I think actually. so. And I, and, I, and I say this, and I don't mean that to disrespect their efforts. I think this is, what they're doing is the evolution. Yeah. This team is the evolution of last year. And last year was a joy to watch a lot of the time. But this is, this feels really substantial. You can't play free-flowing attacking football uh, if there is zero space to play free-flowing attacking football. You saw what they right. did. When, they ha- when they've had the opportunity to do so, they've done it. Like Cut loose, yeah. Bournemouth and... Um, Lance, yeah. Lance. Like, just... <laughs> Bournemouth, Bournemouth giving gifts. Oh, yeah, no. but I kind of admired that from Iriola. No, I, respect, I, respect, no, I he, always respect it, yeah, yeah. If you look back at some of those early results for Bournemouth now, he's just basically laying the groundwork to where they've become now. It was just like, we're going to get yeah. hammered, we're going to get beaten, but don't worry about it, actually. But, um, but back on this with Luton, we've talked about Luton quite a lot in terms of, you know, picking up points and, and I, I actually think they'll probably stay up. I've got a feeling... They've shown enough, they've shown there's enough there's to stay up. That, there's something about that side... The, like I say, I think that, you know, <laughs> I just pulled the stats up. 67% possession for Arsenal, 2.26 expected goals to 0.51 for Luton, 23 shots to nut six, nine on target to four, three big chances to one. It was a really comprehensive performance from Arsenal. Mm. But also, Luton have showed that they can hurt teams. To get so close to getting a point, especially after the point at home to Liverpool, I'm really interested to in see what happens in the City game on the weekend because... Coming off the back of both those results, I don't think City really want to go there. Me neither. Me neither. I agree. Especially if you saw how much they struggled against Sheffield United early on in the season. Now, I know that, totally. that was a while a ago. But Same principle, you're right. This isn't a, any disrespect to West Ham at all, but the ideal place to kind of go after a game like that is probably like someone like the London Stadium. You know, where you're mm. far away from the pitch and you've got a big pitch to play and you can just kind of like, I think going to somewhere like Kenilworth Road where it's really tight, everyone's right on you. It just doesn't make it feel comfortable. Right, yeah, I see that. No, it's funny. It's, it's, and mentioning West Ham City is interesting because I remember watching that game and like, I remember how City had to be so attentive, you know, West Ham had to be so attentive. That pitch is so big mm. that West Ham had to play counter-attack to perfection. Mm. Mm. And they, they played that first half. They were a goal up, I think. But my God, it was such hard work, Ryan, that I felt like I don't need to do it for 90 minutes. And soon City just kept taking the medicine kept working the angles and got their breakthrough and in the end actually looked really, really good. Mm. And I think you're totally right. There's, I'm not saying that City would want to play West Ham. I'm just saying like they want to go to a stadium like that where it's a bit more expansive, yeah. No, to your point, you're right. Like in t- you're completely right. In terms of a place, you can eventually play your football like City. Mm. Just need to eventually get going. And I think that, you know, Luton, Kenilworth Road, it's kind of, it was actually kind of like an FA Cup tie vibe there. Yeah. But in terms of the intensity of it, it was just raw. Like, yeah, loved it. So that meant Arsenal extended their lead at the top before uh, Liverpool won on uh, Wednesday. They beat Sheffield United 2-0. Ooh, let's talk about this very Slightly quickly, hard though. work at that. Slightly hard work But also... Clap afterwards. Were Sheffield United robbed? Mm. 
I think there's a penalty before the second goal, and I think the second goal shouldn't shouldn't have stood. That's a foul by Nunez in the second goal. Yeah, fair enough. It's yeah, just a foul. Yeah, I think so. It's just. Yeah, a, I think so. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. It's just a foul. Yeah. But I yeah. think the one from Canate, the push in the box, yes. is also a foul. I think that's a penalty. I think that's right. That's right. But Liverpool was Liverpool were good, more than good value for it. But this is Sheffield United's thing, though, isn't it? There's and look, I know that clubs like Sheffield United, Luton, they find it slightly patronising when you talk like this about like you know late reverses going against them. But it is oh. true; these margins are so small. Yeah, but Liverpool, yeah, but Liverpool like absolutely like dominated. You know, so they did. They did. I think still, Liverpool deserved to win the game, but a couple of key yeah. decisions right at the end, I mean, could have made it a little bit sticky for Liverpool. I just think if you're hanging in there as long as Sheffield United did, it's still frustrating not to close it out. Yeah, um, I mean, because it came to, right at the end something. of the game, right? It was that kind right. of period of like five, six minutes at the end of the game where Sheffield United actually had the best spell of the game. Mm. And if that penalty comes then, that's, right, uh, who knows? I mean, it's all lifts and butts and stuff, but whatever. But um, They're just not getting much luck at the moment, are they? I mean, if you look down the bottom, Sheffield United are only four points off safety. So it's not a million miles away. I think that, that bottom probably... With, with the it's results. a deceptive, can I be honest? No, go for it. Hot, hot take. It's a deceptive league table because everyone saying? goes, oh, deficit. everyone's like, oh, this club's in a crisis. Look at the league table. It's not a crisis. Like, you look at like, Are you saying oh, it's the Man Barclays United. Catfish League? It is a catfish league. I mean, the it whole is a catfish, is a catfish league. league, yeah. Look, and especially this season because we were told Manchester United in a crisis. You look at the league table. Okay, the goal difference is nothing to sing about. But you've had like a couple of wins in the bounce. You've had a loss here and there. Look, it's it's mediocre, but it's not crisis. I I see Manchester United as a picture of efficiency, contrary to popular belief. Played fifteen, won nine, drawn none, lost six, scored eighteen, conceded eighteen. There it is. Sixth in the table, nine there points off top. It's just average. It's not a crisis. Like a crisis is what's happened to Leon, right? That's a crisis. Oh my god. Yeah, right. That's a crisis. Like Ajax up to Ajax uh, into the European spots. And the Premier League, we said this a thousand times, but uh, this was our nerdy and geek or whatever it is, but the quality of the coaching is such that mm. you always have a chance. You have to, you know, you, with the resources, the, 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 because the resources are so wildly skewed differently in the Premier League, and now we've got Chris Wilder back at Sheffield United, who's obviously a great footballing mind. The one thing that like levels the playing field apart from a couple of major injuries, really, is, is the coaching. Mm. And with the quality of these coaches, even teams right down the bottom have always got a chance over the course of a season. I do believe that. It got to the point where I think, like, sometimes in this situation, I think you can just imagine Wilder's voice being a bit more authoritar- authoritative. <laughs> I nearly said authoritarian <laughs> there. He's not yeah, I know, I know, I know. No. It's not Musa Wonga. <laughs> Sometimes something like that, you know, someone who's been there and done it, took him to Premier League last time as well. And yeah, we'll see. But um, mm. they host Brentford on Saturday. So uh, a nice stripy derby. Good to have someone to remind you kind of who you are and what you're capable of, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Um, mm. We've gone for ages without talking about this and we need to talk about this because I feel like if Villa City was a a picture of high quality mm. on Wednesday. There was a, there was a tasty little alternative at Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be mean, but this game as a neutral was genuinely really fun. Manchester United 2, Chelsea 1 in a game which was really fun, but let's say not of the highest quality. 
I felt like, you know, watching the two screens, I felt like I was watching the multiverse. And on the left, I sort of, the, you know, the, the efficient universe and the technical universe where everything, flying cars and like, you know, sustainable, like clean technology for the entire planet. And on the right was like, everything is chaos. You want, you want on the street, even the plants are biting you. Like everything was attacking everything. And watching this game was incredible. It felt like there were like valleys through the midfield in both directions. Really so there was strange. a thing, Mayo was, Mayo, we were talking in the chat, Mayo was going like, you know, Cole Palmer struggling with his back to goal. And I'm like, why is any forward playing their back to goal in a game that's open? Like, you should just be high and wide and just cutting late because all this game is, is late runs. Actually, screw it. Some of these, <laughs> some of it was early runs. Yeah. To the point where I wrote to you, I was like, Amrabat, this is a classic, classic symptom of this game, of the chaos in this game. Amrabat played a pass that he didn't play anything like in the World Cup. Yeah, it was very unlike like, him. It was completely unlike him. Was so, I remember seeing it thinking, yeah, this game is wild because Amabat is not that footballer. He does, he's, this is so out of character. But I think the whole game just seemed to be this, this kind totally. of... Um, and it sounds like we're dunking on it because there were some moments of good quality, obviously. And Cole Palmer's finish was unbelievable for the goal. Like, just it, very, very, it. very smart, very kind mm. of patient. And I think both McTominay goals were, were really good as well. Lovely. Um... Scotty McGoals. That's what I'm going to call him. Well, Carl um, loves him as a McStriker. Carl calls him. He loves him as a striker. <laughs> I'm now wondering which team he would start for as a striker in the Premier League. Manchester United. Play him up top with uh, Rasmus. Big man, big man. I don't like a two for United though. I, right, uh, drop, I love, the, I love that idea. Musa, <laughs> I'm going to pick my mic up here and I'm going to go serenade you. <laughs> drop Rasmus. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Play McTominay up top. He's Honestly, a beacon of joy. I think the reason that I'm being a bit silly about this game was because mm. two clubs who have spent a fortune, mm. an absolute fortune between them, and the amount of like pretty easy passes that were just played straight to opposition players or the ball was bouncing around everywhere or something was like hoofed into the air, the quality of it compared to, I think what because we were talking about the Villa City game. I don't. I don't think we should go too deep on it because, like I said, with the art, with because the Luton it, Arsenal it, actually, game, sometimes it, it just happens. It wasn't that deep. It wasn't that deep. It wasn't that deep. It's just sometimes. I mean, we've all played in games of this, right? At all levels, right? Even at the level we played at, where sometimes everyone's. It's like, are we all high? Is everyone high on this football pitch? Because Dude, it felt no, like it felt like kick about. You know, like we had, the, we had the at school, we had the tuck shop. And like, everyone's like, had all their refreshers. Everyone's no, honestly, rush. like, and the afternoon lessons like, are yay, carnage. Yay. Do you remember those sweets called Nerds that were like, they yeah. had like sugar. Yeah. Oh my God. Cased in like hard candy. It was like that. Just, everyone's just like down a bunch of nerds and gone out there. And there was no, no one could get control of the midfield. And I remember thinking, actually, the one criticism I would have of anyone in the game was not fully understanding it's chaotic. We need to actually lean fully into that. Stop trying to control this. The game's out of control. Just actually run wild. And I think actually Mudrick, to, to be fair, Mudrick made a couple of, had a couple of bad misses, mm. but he probably embodied the, the spirit of the game best. And it's not an accident that he got that assist mm. because he kind of was like, oh, it's chaotic. It's open. I'm running into gaps. Like some of his final, his final ball is always that concern, mm. but the movement he made was very encouraging. The incursions he made were really, really impressive. I just think that that Chelsea attack has got something quite exciting about it when you have him and Kunku and Palmer working in some kind of combination and with Sterling as well. Those, and I'm, just, I'm trying to look for positives here because I don't want to like dig people out too much. 
Um, no, I just think this is one of those games where I mean, even yeah. you, it even happened like when with the substitutions, Reese James came on and just like mm. caught the chaos bug straight away. <laughs> the chaos virus, yeah. Actually, we need to say this. Put a pin in this. There are certain games that have caught the chaos flu, where yeah. it spreads through the entire, and everyone's got the bug. And I think this was just definitely one of them. Can we just say actually on the on the um, since United obviously won, uh, just quickly on the incidents in the game, penalty to United. Yes, apparently. Uh, yeah, Bruno Fernandes like, has it saved low down. I mean, this is the peril of hitting slow penalties, I think, as pointed out. But just to credit McTominay with that goal scoring and quite exciting looking ahead for the Euros. You've got McGinn in great form. McTominay's, you know, looking good. It's a very well-coached side, Scotland. So, did you call him McTominay's? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I skipped over it. I enjoy, <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy saying his name too much. But really, really happy for him. And I just couldn't help but think, is there not... Look, and obviously he loves playing at United. I just thought, I was just thinking sort of, you know, and you're sort of thinking out loud to yourself going, oh, I wonder, I wonder if there's a Premier League team, maybe like a West Ham, where he could be like a nine for them <laughs> and like, like a starting number nine. Oh, booster, booster, booster. This is like, so got excited about that stuff. We've reached late era rock Gonga here where he stopped trying to turn everyone into an eight. Now he's trying to turn everyone into a fucking nine. <laughs> Well, I, I, listen, I was, I was a striker, but I don't like to talk about it. Anyway, listen, enough, enough about me. Enough Didn't about score me. enough goals. <laughs> I've got the receipts. I've got the receipts. Quickly on this game, let's just wrap up because Chelsea are 10th. Mm. They go to Everton on the weekend. Mm. And the thing that's really confusing about Chelsea is that I don't know if they'll win that game 3-0 or lose that game 3-0. I just don't know. There have been green shoots there for Chelsea in signs of progress. And I do think that it's going to take a long while, but it's just, I think this is the weirdest thing about this game for me, was just like, just looking at two clubs that should just be, they should make a lot more sense than they do. Right. Yeah. Right. Quick shout for Fulham who beat Forest 5-0 and were super, super, super yes. good. Two yes, for Awobi, yes, yes. two for Raheem Jimenez, one for Kearney. Um, Such a well-coached team. Such a well-coached team. They just look really good. Like yeah, yeah. all, I mean, I think Forrest have been on a really bad run. That well, they lost four straight in the league now. Pereira so, looked great as well. Yeah, everyone just fits. Everyone, yeah, and also absorbing the loss of Mitrovic. Shout out to him for that. You know, I mean, I still can't believe Wolves let Raul Jimenez go. To be honest, I mean, I know he's not scored a lot this season, but he's scored. Right. He's starting to like. He's starting to. He's only scored three goals in the Premier League. Mm. Two of them in this game, but. I don't know, just, just always seemed to be like a handy player. If you look at Wolves now, sometimes you, you lose a player like him and it changes the focus of the attack and it allows mm. you to be less predictable, you know? A lot of talk about Arsenal's number nine, but actually, you know, we talk, remember all that time we used to talk about like Arsenal getting a more conventional nine like Vlajevic, mm. but actually look at Arsenal's attack now, you wouldn't swap that really for anything because the fluidity of it, the unpredictability is what wins you titles, I think. Yeah, I mean, I like Ivan Tony as a, as a striker, but the amount of money that it would take, to, I, I, would, I would not do that move. Mm. at all I would much rather hold out for someone like Victor Osterman if oh Arsenal were going to do that oh my god wow yeah can I say actually while we're on Osterman very very quickly shout out to him being voted um, players player of the year mm. in Serie A and also you had that amazing that Lille posted on their Instagram sick him Money Mike Maignon and Raphael Liao all honoured by their fellow players in Serie A and they so all good. came out of Lille isn't that just incredible so good I love that for them man love that for them um, where were we Fulham yes. Uh, yes I thought Steve Cooper gave a really good interview after the game where he was talking very honestly about 
how he doesn't feel like his job is under threat because he's not really thinking about that at all and mm. that he only wants what's best for for Forrest. I mean, personally, I, I think that he's still... I think they should keep him at the moment. I think that pulling... When you're, when you're what, six points clear of the relegation zone in December, I don't think you need to panic, actually. Um, if you look at the run that Bournemouth have been on, and then you've got Palace, Wolves, Fulham, Brentford, Chelsea above you in the, rest, in the bottom half of the table. Sorry, Chelsea, technically top 10, my bad. The amount of work, good work he's done there with the amount of turnover of players that he's had in the last couple of years, I think has been pretty amazing, actually. Mm. And I hope they don't fire him yet. What he's done has been unique at Nottingham Forest. I mean, the, turn, the turnover he's had at Nottingham Forest is only equivalent, I can think, to maybe like a kind of like a Barry Fry at Peterborough. And Barry Fry was the person moving those players in now. So that's like, it was coming from somewhere else, you know. So it, the job he's had to do is unique. And I think the danger of replacing someone like a Cooper is you're taking away someone who gets the club mm. and you're judging the club on these individual results. Like it's very, um, look, and I say this, obviously as a United fan, I, I keep talking about it and it bores everyone, but the time when United lost 5-3 and 5-0 and 6-3 back-to-back mm. weeks, and there was no conversation about sacking Ferguson because the general direction of the club, people understood that these were blips. Mm. And yeah, look, okay, it's not desirable to lose 5-0 to Fulham, but there is an element where you can just park that result and just move. You know, yeah. and we, you're going to get, look, because this team, because this Premier League is so well coached, you'll have nights where you turn up at 40%, you'll get absolutely cleaned out. United got done 7-0 by Liverpool, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Sheffield United got done 8-0 um, the other week and they, they lose narrowly at Anfield. Yes, they get hammered in terms of possession, but it's just a league where you're going to get these terrible losses and it's really important in the age of like social media or whatever not to kind of get caught up in it. And credit to the fans actually singing Cooper's name mm. because match-going fans are quite a good barometer. I Away think. fans especially. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, Cooper should hang in there and yeah. a couple of decent results and this, this can be quickly forgotten actually. You know? Just a quick shout out for some of the, fun, fin, uh, the Fulham finishes. All very, very good indeed. Yes. And the oh my one God, that, the back uh, heel. Oh, Jimenez's oh back heel. But the one that, um, the Jimenez's first one that kind of went right into the top corner and just like, just bounced down. I was just like, oh, so aesthetically oh, pleasing. Oh. Like, yeah. There have been a few of those actually. Uh, the Trent free kick that ended up going down as an own goal the other, yeah. the other day was another one. Mm. Very aesthetic. All right, let's shout out the rest of the games. Wolves beating Burnley on Tuesday. Another goal from Wang. Yeah. Bournemouth beating Palace 2-0. Really Always a good result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Three wins and a draw in the last four in the league for Bournemouth. And the draw is against Villa. Iriola doing work. Doing work. Very good indeed. Uh, Brighton beating Brentford 2-1. Pascal Gross got a, nice, got a nice one here. I bet if you had like a Premier League five-a-side team you had to put together, I bet he'd be in a lot of people's like five-a-side yeah. select. Uh, a very, very fun couple of match days in the Premier League that I mean you know we're, we're not over we're not done yet Spurs against West Ham tonight and uh, Everton hosting Newcastle picture. yeah I mean it's never no love lost between those two um, that's a fixture with zero chill <laughs> no chill at all just very quickly I've just seen something pop up that says uh, Inter Miami are in advanced talks to sign Luis Suarez from Gremio so they're fully oh getting God. the band back getting together the band back together yeah oh my goodness Let's go to Germany very quickly. Yes. First time, for, this is from Get, Foot, Get German Football News. The first time in 20 years, only three Bundesliga sides are in the quarterfinals. 
Amazing. No winner in the last 25 years is in the quarterfinals. That's amazing. And three teams who have never won the competition are in the quarterfinals. So What's the full lineup, please? The results from this week were Bayer Leverkusen beating Paderborn 3-1, Zabrücken beating another Bundesliga side. They knocked out Eintracht Frankfurt this time. Hertha went through against Hasfau on penalties, which is uh, wild. A bit of a heartbreak of that. I mean, it was a three, a three all in uh, after extra time. Mm. It was a very entertaining game, actually. Stuttgart knocked out Dortmund. They beat them 2-0. They were really good, Stuttgart, actually. Yeah. First half, Dortmund were quite, well, just not great. Stuttgart just looked really well drilled. Dortmund don't look so well drilled at the moment. But the goal kind of woke them up a bit. They had their best period of play, like not long after Stuttgart scored. Uh, Grassi opened the scoring. And um, the goal disallowed. J- Jamie Vino Gittins was in an offside position when uh, Full Krug squared it. Just a little bit of a mistimed run. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like two feet forward. Yeah. And then Silas got the uh, the second for Stuttgart. More than good value for it. And uh, that's the second time they beat Dortmund recently. Uh, Tuesday's games, Kaiserslautern beating Nürburgring 2 0. What a fixture. Um, Fortuna, Dusseldorf beat Magdeburg 2 1 away. And Gladbach beat Wolfsburg after extra time 1 0. Pretty good for the Saarland. So Brooklyn and like Kaiserslautern coming up, mm-hmm. coming up big. Well, yeah, not so good for Hamburg. Lost 4 no, 1 yeah. to St. Pauli. Um, but they were one all, and uh, they made it difficult. It was only until uh, the last half hour or so that St. Pauli started to pull away. The draw is going to be made uh, next Sunday, but yeah, just a fun week of German Cup. Very much so. I'm going to leave the Women's Nations League to flow and the gang on counterpressed. But um, yeah. before we, was there any other football you want to talk about before we just big up Christine Sinclair? Uh, just very, very quickly, we didn't mention it the other day because I was away, but just a quick shout for Inter's 3-0 win in Naples over Napoli uh, in Serie A. Just confirming, I think, where the two clubs kind of are at the moment. Inter mm-hmm. just extremely authoritative and just looking like they've got another gear to go in the Champions League. So they're, they're one to watch for sure. Napoli struggling. The goals were beautiful for Inter, actually. Some really, really nice, um, some nice strikes up in the mix there. Nice strikes yeah. up in the mix. All to mention. But yes, we must um, must move last of all to Christine Sinclair. Yeah, Christine Sinclair, Canadian legend. Mm. She finishes her international career after more, more than 330 appearances for Canada. She's the second on the list of the most capped women's players behind U- the US's Christine Lilly. This is from a Guardian piece by Mariam Karabi. 331, is it? 331? Yep. Wild. And 190 goals on the, in international football. She's 40 and she's right, still going to play another year for Portland Thorns and she was named Canada's Player of the Year 14 times. Oh my God. You know, I imagine when I think, she's like this, when I think of her, I think um, if they did like an animated like short film of her career, you imagine like all the hotels that would go through, like imagine like her passport just filling up with stamps and just her playing in every single climate mm. throughout the year, ankle deep in snow on like baked hard pitches and just delivering the quality throughout. And the thing about her is um, the range of her finishing. We talked earlier about sort of, you know, the complete midfield performance from John McGinn and the complete forward. She could score from anywhere like you would, there was kind of danger anywhere, but kind of from 30 yards out. Free kicks, close range, 
penalty box predator, heading, you know, headed goals is obviously outstanding. And the humility as well, like someone who is very sort of, um, there's something very unfussy about it actually. Mm. Like this elite level striker who just had this incredible efficiency throughout. And yeah, just the, what a legacy. And someone who played throughout the evolution of the game as well. Mm. Which is not easy. It's not easy. You know, you look at, um, uh, in, you know, for Luton Town, you had what's this guy, Peli um, Murdoch Mpanzu, who basically played, he's the first ever player to play all the way from non-league, all the way up into the Premier League. Mm. And Christine Sinclair basically played through the growing professionals of the game and remained relevant and remained constant as a kind of North Star of the game. That's kind of incredible in itself. Mm to evolve through the game and to still be delivering at that level. So yeah, yeah. an incredible career. Um, and one of the kind of like football's Mount Rushmore. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, complete like pioneer. four faces up there. Yeah. Complete pioneer, all time, like we said, all time international, leading international goal scorer. Mm. I'm just so pleased that she's playing another year We and gets to have like a full kind of a farewell tour, proper yeah. farewell tour because, yeah. um, you know, doing it on the international stage is, is, it's just different, I think, to, you know, when you have, they had these two, they had these two friendlies against Australia, which they beat, they, they won, f- uh, I think it was 5-0 and 1-0. Um, but yeah, so getting the, getting a proper sign off on home soil before obviously uh, one final NWSL season, I think is just, just Can really you imagine nice. as well, can you imagine the fun she's going to have watching the 2026 World Cup as well? Yeah. Just like the ambassadorial work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited to see what she does after her career because I think she's someone who just carries such gravitas. Yeah. And um, yeah, just congrats on international retirement. Glad that she's doing one more year and uh, I'm sure there'll be many, many, many more wonderful things said about her when she retires completely from football. Yeah. Yeah. Props to Christine Sinclair. Absolutely. Is there anything else we need to talk about today? I think we're good. Mm. Good. Okay, any yeah, books? Yeah. Any books you want to push? Done any? Written any books recently? You actually no. haven't. I'm very. I'm a bit like this. I can't even roll this gag out anymore because it's a little <laughs> bit too. It's a little bit too close to the. Oh, it's a little bit touching a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone got in touch on Instagram the other day. I was like, oh, mostly they softened me up with, oh, how's it going? You know, they playing to my ego. How's it going? It's like, get some new books out. You've been quiet for a while. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Drew me, drew me with the compliments. They cooked me. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what I did when we met. <laughs> All right, everyone, we're gonna we're gonna leave you to it. Yes. Um, don't forget to check Wright's House and Count Crest and uh, all the other good stuff on the Ringer. Don't forget to check the Stadio Archers players on Spotify. All the tunes we play on each episode. We are playing out on El Anthony, a track called "We've Been in Love Too Long." Anything you would like to add, Musa Gwanga? Yeah, I just like to say to all the lovers out there, you can never been in love too long and that's all from me oh shit <laughs> there we go you should write some depth for the heads <laughs> some depth for the heads get out of here alright everyone much love have a great weekend we'll be back with you on Monday see you then Yeah.
Testify that I'm there. 